Welcome back to the Upper Tier Podcast, the football podcast we bring you each and every week on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Audio versions show are available through Spotify or wherever you pick up audio versions of your sh- of your shows. And if you'd like to contact us, we're on Twitter at the underscore upper underscore tier, or you'll get us on Facebook and Instagram, the upper tier. Joining me tonight for a kind of an off-the-cuff show because we don't have a Monday mashup this week because there's no Premier League action and international football isn't deserving of a Monday mashup show. Um, joining me as always, my partner on these shows, Darren, how are we, man? Evening, Captain. Looking well. Looking well tonight, I have to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before we get into this, would you like to tell our viewers the story about the dinner? No. <laughs> ah, listen, let's, let's roll it out there for everyone. So I had one of them days, you know, I was chasing me old tail, literally, for the day. And I came home from work this evening and I made the kids lunches for school. And I just made myself a little bit of dinner. And... I had my phone charging in the other room and I said, I just took the dinner out, popped it onto the plate, ready to go. I said, I'm going to tinkle in, grab my phone so I'm ready to do the mark or to do the, the me podcast. And I came back in and my seven-month-old Labrador had our face stuck in my plate, just lapping up that mash and getting our teeth into that good rib I had done. And uh, yeah, we're, we're not on talking terms at the minute, let's say. <laughs> I said to you when you were getting, I never underestimate the, the knowledge of a Labrador or a Retriever. They're unbelievable. Oh. Comes to that stuff. Um, let's get into the show anyway. I called it tonight unbelievable, Jeff, because there's a couple of things obviously we have to talk about. Um, you can see that lovely background setting there. It's not us who was on holidays. Obviously, it was Man United. Um, obviously, a number of their players were obviously involved in international duty as well. Is this since August they've been on fucking holidays are? Since August 2013 or 14, I would imagine. <laughs> but that's a stretch of that. Like, um, what what is your thinking on this so far? I mean, I I think the viewers at this stage now you're thinking in relation to Ollie. Um, but but what you're thinking on this whole thing, like um kind of get the gang out of town for a while. It, it was it like uh the business and the man united wanted to get involved in some dealings or something like that and didn't want the crew hanging around or something like that. Yeah, I suppose there's you've that side of it, haven't you? Um, like there's been a lot of links, there's been a lot of you know whispers here and there. I'm hearing conflicting stories about how in the last forty eight hours they've really gone hot on Zidane, and all of a sudden we we've heard that they're trying to twist his arm to taking the job. And in the last day or two previous to that, we had Brendan Rogers was house hunting in Manchester and was looking to buy a house, and it, the deal was all agreed and. And and we're facing into a Premier League game this weekend, and and all you still at the wheel, and you're kind of thinking, Jesus, if if this is what's going down, like we're in trouble, we we're in bigger trouble here than we think, because for there to be no clear and definite plan, it's a bit scary, you know. Um, if if they'd have chopped them straight after the City game, at least it would have given an intent as to what they were trying to do, um. And I know, obviously, with you know, being a PLC and stuff like that, and or sorry, being on the stock exchange and stuff, you know, there's a way that they have to go about these things and stuff like that. But it's still, it's a very, very slow burn at the minute, you know. And um, I can see where, I can see where Solskjaer was probably, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to get out of here for a few days. And I think the lads should do the same because it's been hot and heavy over the last few weeks in, in all traffic, you know, and, and, and around United. So I can certainly see that point of view. 
Um, but I can also see the point of view where, you know, where when you are struggling, that's the time when you do need to dig deep and work a little bit harder. And, you know, uh, if if we struggle on Saturday, there's an awful lot of fans going to say, well, why the fuck is on holidays? Why weren't you training and putting in the work? And why didn't you go over stuff with the lads who weren't on international break? Because there's a lot of lads weren't on international break as well, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, somebody could have te- could have been teaching Aramon Bissaka how to cross the ball. Um, you know, um, Dean Henderson was there. He needs vital minutes. Like, they should have been behind it. Behind doors, behind closed doors, games for him to get minutes up again. And um, Donny was there, you know. Um, Alex Tellez was there. Now I seen he did it. He did an awful lot of work in the gym, and um, he posted most of it on Instagram and stuff like that. But I mean, it shouldn't really be left to the individual, should it? It should be the collective that's going about this. Um, and then you, you don't know whether there was a there was word came from above to say like that. You know, we need these boys out of, out of the way that. We can get stuff done behind the scenes now that he's being shown the door in the next couple of weeks or so. You know, it's yeah. I, I just I had sort of two things there. Like we know how ruthless the English media is. Like like yeah. It's just even today when the boys returned for training, it showed all pictures of them, and you know they probably took a hundred pictures of Alex Tellez or whatever it is going into yeah. the ground. But they picked the one that has the one where his face looks like the back end of a toolbox. He's so yeah. devastated and going back into training. And that's the one that they print for all the different players going. Look at, the, look at the Man United players going back into training. They all look like they were heading back into Her Majesty's prison service or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? But um, maybe the maybe the boys like Aaron Wambasaka, maybe they have been practicing their corners, but just with maybe a different set of coaches now, just putting that out there as well. Who knows? You know? Who knows? But um. Yeah, it, it leads me on then to a couple of things then, I suppose. Um, this whole celebration from Harry Maguire has been blown up massively. Um, and there's kind of two sides to that story, isn't there really? There's one that says, and I posted this on Twitter the other day, I was talking to some United fans, and I posted saying, yeah, you can kind of give out about the celebration because you need to have your house in order and have your balls all straightened up to be going with that kind of thing. But, you know, he's only human and he's been absolutely bastardized in the press for how long now? And I said to the lads, you are entitled to celebrate a goal. And I was listening to Talk Sport this morning. I think it was this morning or yesterday morning. And uh, Gabby was on, Gabby Abon Lahore was on. And he was saying that he felt that the comments from Kane, like he was kind of bullying Maguire. In, in his approach. Now, I know some people will turn around and say, well, he's not giving them half as much stick as he should be giving them. Other people would say, maybe it went a bit too far. What, what was your thinking on the whole, the, the whole fiasco that was Maguire celebration, basically? So, as you well know, I'm not a Roy Keane fan. No. Not a fan of Roy Keane at all. Roy, if you're watching, you're a cabbage, just throwing it out there. Um, super footballer, but, just the way he carries on, I'm not a fan of his. You know, he's he's got a case of that small man syndrome. You know, with that little antsy in his pants, he's just he's not a nice bloke. Um, but I can't really say too much about him in this instance. <coughs> I feel like you know he probably hasn't even gone far enough when he's spoken about Maguire. Like you're absolutely right. You'd want to have your ducks in order or ducks in a line, wouldn't you? If you were going out, you know, giving it all that, you've scored a header against Albania, pal. Like they only started playing football in the last few years, you know. Don't be, 
you know, they got another they got another one against San Marino tonight. Don't be going off celebrating goals like you've just won the World Cup, pal. You know, because the the state that United are in at the minute, there is nothing to celebrate. And unless we start putting in performances and turning over teams and stepping up that, that league table, don't be going off with the three lines and, you know, playing as if you're bleeding Bobby Charlton. Like, give it over, will you? And, and, him, be, and him being the captain. And him being, and him the, being captain. the captain. And, you know, yeah, United, checking, like, yeah. yeah, I think he's Bobby Moore playing at centre-back there for England because he two clean sheets against Albania and bleeding San Marino. Now, let's not let's not joke around here. No, myself, yourself and this fucking Labrador could have had a clean sheet against bleeding San Marino and Albania. They're that, they're that bad, you know what I mean? And probably a few goals. And a few goals, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, don't be... It's, it was ridiculous for McGuire to do that. Absolutely ridiculous. He put himself out there. Um, he put himself out there to be shot at, mm. you know? And, and that's what happened. And oh, I can't really blame the likes of Kane and stuff like that going for him because mm. I, I felt like that myself, if I'm honest. And, and I'm not a fan of Kane, but I felt like, you know, McGuire put his head up there, just lifted his head high enough out of that parapet just to take a few shots and you thought, you're a gobshite, man. That was stupid, you know? Yeah, it's kind of, it's at a time as well where these guys are coming out now apologising for every single little thing, either on Twitter or Facebook yeah. or on their socials or whatever it is. And it's very clear that they're not writing them, that they're being written for them, because when you ask them about them, they don't even know what's being posted half the time. Yeah. But it, it, it's kind of weird that if you're in that kind of circle and that hate is building, and you and you know what you know what the British media are like when they get a hold of you, they're like a boa constrictor. So they wrap around you, and then they just squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze until your tears. rotting carcass is left. Till your eyeballs pop out and you can't right. take it anymore, and you have to run away to the continent to a different league and hold it to get your your mental sanity back. But it was kind of like. I just think like at a time when that's all coming in on you and you're getting all that side of it as well, regardless, let's let's park the football side of it for a minute. But all these apologies that are coming out for this, that, and the other, and you know, him being interviewed after games and going, I don't I don't really want to be here. This is how I feel about this, you know what I mean? When you're the captain of Man United, one of the biggest clubs in the world, if not the biggest, you know. And I I just thought the last thing you want when you go away in international duty. You're kind of getting a pass because we know England are playing the likes of Albania and San Marino. Yeah. So they're expected to win, put in a performance, you know, a good performance so that, you know, everyone would be going, yeah, Southgate's great. This is great. We've qualified, they, blah, 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 blah. You know, so you're getting a bit of heat off you. They won 15 nil on aggregate in the two yeah. games. Yeah. Like, that's not even football, man. Mm. And but we've then, talked about this international mm. thing before. Like, this is yeah. this is a nonsense. Now, that's not Maguire's fault. But... If 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 Maguire wanted to go out and give it all that, you know, he should have done it after, you know, a performance against City. But the the problem was he didn't put that performance in against City because City were a, were a quality in it, you know, the the caliber of City that day was miles ahead of where United were, and we didn't show up and we didn't work. Our work rate wasn't there. You know, tactically we were very very inept. Like you're, you're hearing stories of the City lads say that Guardiola brings them in on a Friday and gives them this big tactical spiel, you know. And how, how they're going to go about it. He says, 10 minutes, he gave them on the Friday. This is all you got to do, lads. It's going to be this easy. Like, mm. that's embarrassing. Yeah. And then you've this you've this cabbage going out, you know, and he scores a, a header against Albania. And you'd actually think he just won the, the World Cup, like a knee slide now. Pal, give it a break. You should be you should be careful doing knee slides. You know you're, you know, he's made a bleeding plasticine at times. His hammies and his knees and all. Like, why you be at that is just... It's beyond me. It really, really is. 
yeah, like I, I get celebrating the goal, don't you? But there's a yeah. way to celebrate, isn't there? And especially at the level that you're at, I think, I think proper professional footballers, you know, I, I use that in a very loose term, will turn around and recognize that they're one of the richest countries in the world, they're one of the, the most, you know, advantageous footballing nations, and they're going up against Albania. So, like, just a little bit of respect. A little bit of respect. You don't need to run off in the corner, do a knee slide so they have a video for FIFA next year because you yeah. banged in a goal against Albania. You know what I mean? Just celebrate your goal with your teammates and head off back into your position. There's no need to take the piss. There's no need to be sending no. any underlining messages and don't expect any backlash from both the press and the pundits. This this wasn't, you know, they weren't 2-1 down to Greece in the 96th minute and 30 yards from goal like Beckham was. Mm. You know, this is set piece. You know, this is and, and, nil ten, all. and ten minutes in, and ten, this is nil all ten minutes in, and they need four points from from this game and from San Marino, like Harry, cop on, pal, mm. honest to God, cop on. Yeah. You know, um, I I've defended the guy. You know, I have to be honest. I think we're a better side when he's when he's available. Um, I've said that. I think towards the end of last season, United you know, fans started to realize what he brought to the side. I think this season. It, you know, things are going poorly on all fronts for United, not just at the back, but up front and in midfield. And, you know, probably only David De Gea has covered himself in any sort of glory so far this season. Because he has um, to. Because he has to. Because he's had to, right? But but also, I think Maguire, and, and I've heard it said again over, over the international break, is that he decided as a captain to put the club ahead of himself. And and he, he came back sooner than he should have. Um, and again... This is something United did with Varane, and now Varane's back on the shelf. So this, I know what you're talking about. You know, he's captain of Man United, he's captain of England, and you know he's got to put himself out there. And I understand that completely. But you don't put yourself out there to turn performances in like he's turned in recently. You don't turn yourself in there, you know, and, and put yourself out there like Raphael Varane did to end up on the shelf for six weeks as well. That's where a manager's got to say, okay, lads. I appreciate is our is our pulling in the right direction, and I and I wholeheartedly you know I I'd, lo- I'd love to have you guys as part of this, but the manager's also got to be clever enough to go and speak to the staff and say what's the story with these boys? Are they ready or not? Mm. Now somebody looked at Harry Maguire and said, "Yeah, he's ready to go, boss." He loses a job straight away, absolutely straight away. The bloke's back in the team three to four weeks. You can see he can't run properly. Like so, what you know what I mean? Like he, the day he went back to Leicester, he was torn inside out. I thought he was a bleeding pillowcase, right? And then and then Varane comes back and again aggravates something that he's at the been out with. And you're thinking, like, this is this is bog standard Sunday league shit. This isn't, yeah. you know, like we sports scientists now watching the game. Mm. We have guys that are able to tell you, take the full back off. His levels are gone down so much. We know now that, you know, the oxygen levels and the the level of the level of hydration in his body oh, is so low that now he's at a he's at no now there's a possibility that he's gonna pull something or do something and they pull a guy off. He could be having the game of his life, but if the levels aren't right to take him off, we're watching a guy being absolutely manhandled and someone saying, It's all right, leave him on be grant. Like, come which, on. Which goes back to Ollie again, doesn't it really? And and his 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 kind of mismanagement of players as well. And I know obviously he's being fed information in as well, but I mean if it's visually there in front of us on the screen when we're looking at it, it has to be visually in front of him and the coaches. Listen, we're for for want of a better word, Neil, have to, you know, excuse me for this. We're two plebs, right? 
if two plebs watching a game of football can tell you the centre half can't run properly and he's getting turned inside out, you know what I mean? Mm. The manager who's sitting on the sideline getting whatever amount of money um, with these qualifications up his sleeve, somebody's going to go, do you know what? I think he's not right. And it's let roll for three or four games. A three or four is, games in the belt. Which is, which is even more alarming, really. And, it? and it gets so bad, we don't take him out. We put in another defender. Do you know what we'll do? We're that bad at the back and your man's really not right. Let's stick another centre-back in, right? Which means any, any kind of chance we had of, of bossing the midfield, having three in there, we're yeah. not going to boss it now with two. And they're two oh. defensive boys. And one of them's only an engine. And, you know, the other lads, McTominay and, is just, and, you and, know. And not against the teams that you were playing either. And now when you look, I mean, if you're staring into the barrel of the next six or eight games, it's, uh, as the T-shirt says on me there, it's kind of death row really, isn't it? And when you're looking at it, I mean, Watford, you would expect to get a result there. Um, Really? Well, well, I mean, in terms of if, if you look at the quality of both squads and you look at the quality of both teams, I know there's a confidence thing going on there that United and Watford are probably playing them at the best time that they can. But maybe the boys have gone off to take stock and, and assess where they are. And maybe a fresh start for them is what they needed. Yeah, but, you know, here's the thing about Watford, and, and I'm not suggesting Watford are in great form or anything like that, mm. but they can score goals and they can cause you trouble. And you know, they're lethal on the counter. The bit, the boy Ismail Asar, Manuel Dennis, and Joshua King. There's pace, there's power. You know, they can play on the bounce, which you. which catches us out all the time. Like mm. this won't be an easy win at all for us. I don't believe. Yeah. And um, I think a win would be would be super, regardless of two one one nil, whatever it was. If we could pick up a win at Watford, that would be a start. Um. Yeah. Performance was, you know, I think it's important we put in a performance, but it's not as important as picking up three points because yeah. we're getting further away from the top of this table. And if we don't start, if we don't start, um, you know, halting this run, we're going to be so far away that, that we, we top, don't have top, a chance. Top even four leaving the problem, yeah. 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 And then I suppose from his point of view as well, you're going to have Ronaldo returning and Bruno Fernandes. Uh, both who are going to be very disappointed in the way things have run out on the international break. Um, I noticed Ronaldo there last night and he was sitting on the pitch. He was in tears, distraught. He was having a row with the coach when the coach walked on the same and all the coach ended up having to walk away from him. He was so mad. And it's, it's yeah. uh, that there's a bit of work to be done there as well. And they're two key players, obviously, for you, you know. There is, but and listen, this is something, again, we've spoken about. Portugal are carrying Ronaldo. When Portugal play with Ronaldo, they play with 10 men. Yes, he can pop up with the headers like he did against Ireland. But if he doesn't pop up with the goals, what's he giving you? Well, I, he's certainly we've not giving about, you, We've spoken about this even in terms of United, yeah, absolutely. But we've spoken about this in terms of United as well. Yeah. Um, and I know at times when I spoke about it, some of the guys who were on the shows and stuff like that were quite shocked that I raised it as an issue because yeah. we're talking about the great Ronaldo. But I suppose what he does give you is the 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 quality when he does happen to get into that position or the actual threat that you know that if he picks up the ball, he just has an eye for one thing and nine times out of ten, he hits it. 
And that and that's kind of a threat that's there that most back forest. If you're going up against Ronaldo, you're gonna turn around. And you're gonna go well. It's Ronaldo. You know what I mean. So you could be you could be in awe by it a little bit. Now I know a lot of teams don't go that way because again you have to remember the last couple of games that United have played. They've come up against quality opposition as well who don't give you any respect and who are well versed and well coached. And you know they see Ronaldo as just another guy who's back in the Premier he- League. And who don't carry players either. No. You know, like you go in 11 v 11 and and everyone's pulling in the right direction. You have a chance. Mm. You go in 11 v 10 and and you've this, you know, petulant teenager at times because that's what he looks like. Mm. You know, he does look like that petulant teenager that was was in Old Trafford, you know, what, 18 years ago? Mm. He does look like that. There's head throwing, there's kicking, there's... Moaning, there's there's a lot of that still. It, it, you know, it, it, it's rife, isn't it? Because it's kind of Pogba esque as well, isn't it? It's kind yeah, of Pogba you know, as well, like you know. Pogba, Pogba loves and listen, Bruno, Bruno was Bruno's fond of it as well, you know. Like mm. I, I don't get this whole thing of not getting free kicks and kicking on the ground. Yeah. Like if you don't get the free kick, fine. When the ball goes out of play, ask the ref, ref, what's the story, man? You know. That's not a free. Mm. I get it. Because if you're not in the ref's ear, you're not going to get at either way. Right? Mm. So I do get that wholeheartedly. However, don't be rolling on the ground when the boys are on the counter-attack and, and they're picking us off like, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. that's got to stop. And and that's that's Pogba, that's Bruno, that's Ronaldo. There's, there's more than one boy, you know, at that. Mm. But I certainly think... I think Ronaldo for me needs to be used more as an impact player now at United. You know, he does Solskjaer have the balls to use him off the bench? I don't know, but I see him more as impact. Like at the minute, you look at the likes of Cavani, and I've said this already, Cavani's work rate is double or treble what Ronaldo brings. The yeah. pressing, the closing, the intensity, you know, all of that. Cavani's a country mile ahead, Ronaldo, in that sense. And at the minute, that's what we need. Now, we'll get to a stage where, you know, we're 65, 60 minutes into a game and we've worked our back four, we've worked our defensive midfielder so hard with all that pressing, that crack start appearing. Guess what we do now? Now we take the boy off the bench who only needs that little bit of a split second and boom, it's one, two, you know what I mean? But we're not using it like that. We're, we're playing the opposite way around. We're going in with the guy who doesn't start with the work rate, right? the guy who's you know, only literally waiting for the ball to be fed into his feet because otherwise he doesn't want to know about it, right? So you're kind and, of on, and, you're on the back foot. You're on the back you're foot, on the back foot straight away. And then when we're a goal down, we have a bloke out there chasing. And you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Start with him. Let him put the effort in. Keep things tight. Let's see if we can nick a goal. And then as a team starts to get drawn out into a game because we're maybe a goal ahead or because maybe we've, we've, we've ran them out like, then bring your man on and let him start picking pockets. And, and don't tell me he won't be happy coming off the bench if he's picking up one or two goals every week. Of course he will, because this is all about numbers for him. Yeah, I just I just don't know whether I, I'm not too sure whether that would sit with him. I, I I think I think him being named on a subs bench, even on a regular basis, I think that spells that star for any manager that's in there to be honest I, I just think there's been a lot of talk in the last week oh. that, a, that a group of United players have been going talking to Hierarchy 
about coaching and about management there at the moment and stuff like that. You know, and it's, I've no proof on any of this around like that, but I but can I, I could probably name the four or five players that are doing it. But that's where you have to look, and that's where you know Sir Alex made his name and said, There's nobody here bigger than the club. So if you think you're bigger than the club, there's the door. Off you toddle. Mm. You know, and you've got and Ferguson was ruthless like that. Now, whether he was ruthless and he was in the right, or he was ruthless and he was in the wrong. And the only time I've ever heard him say he was in the wrong was with Gapstan. He gave Stam the bullet, and then, you know, he says, he sold him to Lazio, and he went, he said, I thought he was done. He said, boy, was I wrong. Yeah? So, I mean, so he, he's got, he pushed Van Nistelrooy, you know, he, he pushed Beckham, he pushed a lot of guys there, mm. because he said, you can't be bigger than this club. If Solskjaer wants to make himself a manager at Man United, which... I don't think he can at this stage. You know, I think he's a dead man walking. Mm. You've got to have the balls to make these decisions and to make these calls. You will not go down as as a legend. You will not go down as a guy that 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 gave it as all just doing the status quo, which is what he's doing. Like we could name what subs he'll make this weekend. It's Monday. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We could we could yeah. we could probably call it what subs he'll make mm. and at what stage in the game. Now, that's fucking scary. Yeah, you could also name his bench as well because you know that he's not picking players based on performance. Do you know what I mean? Or not giving players a chance at least, you know what I mean? But what what, what do you make then of... I mean, let's, let's account for the fact that he's probably going sooner rather than later, let's say, unless the miracle of something happens. Um, and it wouldn't be the first time that it happened at the club, so who knows? But what what do you make of? Listen to a number of United fans this week as well talking about Zinedine Zidane and the links were there, really strong links there that they're trying their utmost to get him in. But the talk the talk going around at the moment is one, he doesn't speak the language, and two, he isn't Premier League proven, and that's what's being mentioned from some United fans who were a little bit sceptical about him. And I've also heard fans saying as well this week with Zidane that he's a very good manager in terms of a man management situation, but not necessarily a really good coach. And this is what I've heard now. This is not my opinion. So I'd like to get your get your thoughts on that one. So, well, here's my first answer to that, yeah? And I'm just going to call out three names. And I'm going to say, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, Thomas Tuchel. Were they all Premier League proven when they went into the clubs? No. Right. Argument over. Good luck, good night. Turn off the light on your way out. Right? That's and, gone. And, and probably trade and probably didn't come in either with a CV, anything like Sedans either. <laughs> right. So, Gonzo, that's the argument's gone. Don't even, don't be talking bullshit, lads. You know? Um, I get the, I get the language issue. I absolutely get it. Um. I don't think he'd be the first manager to come in with a language problem to begin with. Mm. You know, um, I don't think that, like, we're looking at Bielsa, right? Um, now, obviously, Leeds are in, in a completely different situation they are now than they were last season. Yeah. But Bielsa's been bringing in a, a translator. He does a, he does his interviews with a translator. So, yeah. I mean, he's, he's obviously not comfortable there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he's getting his message across and he really got his message across to that Leeds team. Mm. You know, yeah. and they were playing some serious football last season. Yeah, they were leaky, 
But I mean, they played a really good brand of football. Mm. And the other thing you've got to say from a coaching point of view, it would be a worry for me. But if he's a manager, and if he, because at the minute, not only is Ollie failing as a, as a coach, he's failing as a manager. Because we can see what's happening to Jaden Sancho. We can see what's happening to Donny van der Beek. We can see what's happening to Alex Tellez. You know, these lads were all brought into the club. We spent good money on them. These were going to be the answers to some of our problems. You know what they are now? They're bigger problems. Mm. You know? These lads have these lads have more questions around them than answers. So all these man management skills aren't you know, all they're cracked up to be either. Pogba's not in a great place, I would say. This, uh, the deal is, you know, all but dead in the water. Does he go in January, sign a pre, pre-contract with someone on the continent? Quite possibly. Then what do you do? Do you keep him in your team for the next six months? I don't, you know what I mean? There's an awful lot going on here. So if Zidane was going to come in and man manage the situation an awful lot better, maybe get better out of players and bring a coach with him. Because there are managers that focus on managing the club mm. and focus on managing the players and allow their coaches to do work. And this is something that Ferguson's done for years. Yeah, Ferguson had a lot of good number twos. He had Rennie Mullenstein. He had Mike Phelan. He had Carlos Queiroz. He had Steve McLaren. He yeah. had Jim Smith. He had Walter Smith. He's had, you know what I mean? Yeah. Brian yeah. Kidd. He had as many good coaches as anything at Old Trafford, you know? Um, and guys that have been around the football and world, and guys that were good, good coaches, you know, and he had these. So have we a problem with a guy coming in being a really good man manager and allowing a coach to go and coach the squad Monday to Friday on the training pitch? Absolutely not. If the two lads are up to the job, go ahead. Mm. No problem with it at all. I suppose looking at it, when you look at Zidane and you look at Fergie and that, like there's there's a level of respect there that you would you would have as a player for those guys. That I don't think Ollie commands, um, and I don't think he, I don't think, I don't think that level of respect would ever be there. You know what I mean? I think, I think with Fergie, you like when Fergie spoke to you, you knew he was real. You know that kind of way, and you knew it was. You hear a lot of players coming out going, and you know, like Ollie's a lovely fella, and he's a grand lad, and all that kind of thing. You know what I mean? But sure. You, you know, you nearly get the feeling when he goes into the dressing room and if he loses a little bit, five minutes later, you'd nearly be sniggering in the corner. You know what I mean? It's kind of like... We I, we I, spoke I, about this a couple of weeks ago when we spoke about um, the options that maybe United were looking at. Yeah? Um, from from a coaching point of view, my my two personal favourites would have been Brendan Rodgers and Eric Ten Hag. Yeah? That, that's, that's who I named as my first two choices. But I did have Zidane on the list. And the reason I had Zidane on the list is exactly the reason you've spoken about there. I believe there's a legitimacy about Zidane going in there. Because I think, you know, like Ferguson could do, like Ferguson would say, you know, to such and such a player, yeah, okay, you're good, but you're not that good. Do they take it seriously from anyone else? Maybe not. But if it's Ferguson, they go, you know what? this guy might be onto something here because look at what he's had before, you know, no matter who the player was. And with the likes of, of Zidane coming in, I certainly see the level of respect going to a new level. I mean, if you're Paul Pogba and and you have to go out on a Saturday afternoon and maybe 
small chairs ask you to do a job and you're not maybe convinced of the job he's asking you to do when you say, you know what, I know you want me to do A, yeah. and I want to do B, so why don't we meet somewhere in the middle and I'll do C, which is actually fucking neither of what has to be done, but yeah. I'll put C in and see if it makes both of us happy, yeah. right? Yeah. He doesn't know to France because Didier Deschamps is oh. a level above, right? Absolutely, absolutely. He looks like a completely different player, and we've spoken about it, that, you know, again, he's in next to N'Golo Kante, he's going to look better because he's got that type of protection around him. But at times he played in a deeper role for France and he still looked good and dominated games and being yeah. physical, powerful, aggressive. And then he comes into the Premier League and he's going over like a bleeding daisy. And you're like, what's wrong with this but kid? Also, but there's also options, options in that French team. You can place that little bit of Lego, take it out and put a new bit of Lego yes. in of yeah. equal quality there. Whereas at United, you know, if you take a Paul Pogba out, who realistically are you putting in? And I know the argument is probably if Zidane comes in, my view anyway, if Zidane comes in, you're going to get a reasonably clean slate. Now, obviously, there'd be a little bit there for Varane and a little bit there for Ronaldo, obviously, because the links are there. But yeah. I think in terms of Donny van de Beek, I think he would play. I think Sancho would probably play. I think yeah. these guys and a lot of guys would be getting picked on merit and stuff like that. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I think, and I I think, think, that's, and I think that's needed. And I think that's what raises your level of respect then within the squad because you, you can hear rumblings in the squad as well that members of the squad are not happy with the treatment of Donny van der Beek and stuff like that and all. And, like, you know, players players look out for each other as well. As I said before, players don't get sacked managers. Well, here's the other thing, right? And, and you know this yourself, right? Because you've been involved in football for a long time. Like... If I go down on a tour, a Tuesday and a Thursday night to me to me local Sunday side, and I'm putting the work in week after week after week, eventually I get me time, right? Because mm. eventually the manager goes, I can't keep ignoring this bloke, yeah. Mm. And and that doesn't seem to be the case at United because we've seen Tellez, we've seen Van der Bay putting in the shifts, putting in the efforts, you know, and 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 putting themselves out there to go. Gives a chance here, Gaffer. And he just keeps throwing us back, you know? Um, and he's going, no, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And and I don't trust you enough to to go out there and do what I, what I want you to do to keep my job. Because really, all he's doing is prolonging his own agony, right? Mm-hmm. By, by, playing this, by playing this system and by playing the players in those positions and stuff like that. You know, I think you would see a massive shake-up at United um, with somebody like Senadine Zidane come in. Massive shake-up. I think you'd see a whole a whole different way of how United could possibly play. Mm. Um, you know, like, yeah, listen, Bruno, I think at the minute, Bruno's created more chances than anyone else in the Premier League. And he's he's not a little bit ahead. He's a country mile ahead, if I'm right. Mm. Um and Bruno's obviously our most creative player. But that also gives license to other players. Because going in on a Saturday afternoon, don't tell me that guys don't know that Bruno's going to be the creative one. Yeah? And don't, don't tell me that sides aren't going to get one or two guys close to him, which creates space elsewhere on the pitch. For field. other people, yeah, absolutely. For other people. But yeah. those lads aren't stepping up. You know, you don't have... From the right-hand side, we have... Mason Greenwood and Jaden Sancho. 
two really, really good, exciting mm. English footballers. We've seen little or nothing from Greenwood this season, and we've seen less from Sancho. You know, yeah. it's been so, so poor from that side of the pitch. We've seen Rashford come back into, into the fall recently after the injury. He's obviously, you know, he's he's uh, time, yeah. he's hit the ground running. Yeah. He's scored a couple of goals and stuff like that. We're, we're still not, we're not firing on all cylinders through the centre. And then that midfield is, you know, it's, it's made a toffee really, isn't it? Like, and there's so much more we could do. This it's it's easy to bully it, isn't it? It's so easy We're to just bully. Just so unlike United. You look at you look at how much you could. You look at even like something for me at times. You know, ball retention in the middle of that park is really really poor. And mm. um, Fred and you know I'm a fan of his against me better judgment than you know against everyone else's judgment. I do like the kid. He puts in a shift every single week. His quality is limited, but. He will give you everything he has, right? And I, I 100% think there's places for people like that in your squad. Yep. Um, but not in your starting 11 week on week on week on week. Um, and we struggle with ball retention. So why doesn't Donny play? He's comfortably, you know, the most technically gifted central midfielder we have there. He played in that position for Ajax. He played as the eight, right? And and he he set the tempo of the game. He he received the ball in off the back four. He came short and took it. He popped the ball right. He got it back. He popped the ball left. He kept the ball moving. Like he he did that job that we struggled to do. What what do you think the issue is there? Like what is the actual issue? I mean, we're looking from the outside in. We can't believe how much this guy's career has been hampered. I think. I think there's two things that maybe go against them. Um, and one is the is one is Fred's work rate. Because I don't believe Donny can match that for work rate. Um I don't think he can match him for work rate, if I'm honest. But I don't think there's too many in the United squads or or maybe even in in the league that could match him for work rate, because work rate wise he's he's tops, you know. Mm. Um but I think that goes against him. And I think the other thing that goes against him slightly is I don't think Solskjaer sees him as somebody who can hold his own in that position. I think Solskjaer sees him as somebody that plays in in a in a number ten role, maybe, um, which is basically where Bruno plays. So then he plays second fiddle to Bruno and probably even third fiddle, depending on where Pogba is going to play. Because again, I think we shoehorn Pogba into the team a lot of the time. You know, he plays on the left, he plays here, he plays. You know, when really. For Pogba to be playing in our side, somebody at this stage should have said, you know what? Yeah, you you can play every week, kids. Absolutely. But you're playing as the six and you're sitting in there and you're going to sit deep and you're going to use that range of passing you have, which is fucking scary, right? You've seen him. He picks that ball up from, from the back four and he starts looking and he's spraying balls left, right, everywhere. And tell him not again. I know he wants to create, but tell him he doesn't have to create. Take the onus off him to create. Yeah. I say, you know what, Paul, we don't want you to create a whole lot. We want you to sit and we want you to, to, to you know, be defensive in there and then let him pop the ball into Donny. Like, I'd love to see him and Donny in there and, and say, Pogba, you're going to play the defensive role. Donny's going to Donny's gonna link things between the defence and the attack. 
You get the ball into Donny, little one-twos here. Let's get the ball wide to these two wingers, Rashford and Sancho, and let them start going at defenders. Do you know what I mean? And let's play little one-touch quick balls. Let's get balls down the side. Let's get the fence turned. Let's get, you know, balls in the box where we've got Cavani and Ronaldo who can actually head the ball, right? You know, let's and, and let's let's look for our fullbacks to get nice and high, which gives us the option of an overlap. And if we don't overlap, we come back inside and we create something there. Like there's so much you can do with what's available in that United side. We're playing, such a lim- we're playing such a limited style of football. Like yeah. it's scary. Play, you're playing with an element of fear instead and of that element of freedom. So there's no... And the fear is coming from the manager because the manager's fear is, I'm not going to be here much longer. Mm. And every time he plays a game, he feels like I'm trying to save my job. But you can't play football like that. That's not how... Like, I've heard, and I said it this to you before, I heard where, where you know, they would go into team talks at, at Old Trafford under Sir Alex and, you know, somebody would say, they go in at half time and, and the first thing he'd say was, would you like to watch that, lads? And the lads would say, well, no, Rob, really, it wasn't great. He said, okay, well, go and make it watchable. Excite them. Get the fans off their, off their, off their off seats. The face, yeah. Right, get them to enjoy this game again. And you start enjoying it. Everyone knows what their role is. You do the role long enough, you know what the, what the role entails, yeah. right? So then it's about just going out and, and convincing yourself that you can play that role mm. and going out and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this because of a guy inside that believes in me. Mm. The problem is, those players, when they go into that dressing room at halftime, they don't think he believes in them. And the reason they don't think he believes in them is because he fucking doesn't. Yeah. And there's, a, there's also a lack of belief in each other as well. I'm sure they're looking around the dressing room and they're not believing each other, you know I mean? As you can tell, when, when there was an issue there in the defence, they threw an extra defender in there to cover up for the frailties that was there, which is terrible management, terrible management. Um, But yeah, look, sure, look, we'll move on from it anyway and we'll we'll get into a discussion now about the managerial merry-go-round at the moment um, that's happening. Um. Let's start with Stevie, my my old boy from Liverpool, who was up at Rangers, seemed to be doing a stellar job. Um, stopped the ten in a row, wrestled the league back from Celtic, um, and seemed to be doing a good job there. But rumblings came out that he was frustrated at the lack of investment that was coming through in a pivotal year, where the Scottish League is going to get an automatic placing into the Champions League, the winners of the league this year. Um, so this was a pivotal year for them. Yeah. So the opportunity, obviously, Dean Smith goes out of Villa, um, which was, I suppose, somewhat of a shock, but not so much of a shock because they had been on a very bad run. But I, I still don't think he had gotten the grips with what he wanted to do there. Um, and I suppose the Villa board were expecting a much better reaction in terms of the investment that they've made, which is fair enough. Um, yeah. So... Gerard gets the opportunity to manage in the Premier League at a club that has money and is willing to invest. And he also has a pretty decent squad there as well if he can get them organised. He also did a fantastic job with Bale when he brought Bale in and McAllister as well as his coaching staff. They did a fantastic defensive job at Rangers. So no doubt they'll do a really good job at Villa defensively as well, which is where their frailties are, because we know they can be very powerful going forward if they want to be. Well, what was your overall thinking of that? Is the move to Villa the right move? 
Should he have maybe diggied up his CV a bit more at Rangers by winning maybe a cup in another league and getting that qualification into the Champions League and maybe that money that would come in might have been afforded to him to improve the squad to be somewhat competitive in the Champions League? Or do you think, look, when the Premier League comes calling, you can't refuse it because it's such a draw? Yeah, so I suppose, like, there's a couple of ways of looking at it, but from my point of view, like, I don't think he can turn that village up down, if I'm honest, um, for a number of reasons. Scottish football has a glass ceiling. It's only ever going to go so far. They have two teams. The rest might as well be playing Sunday League, you know. Um, it's Celtic and Rangers, Celtic and Rangers, and it's Celtic and Rangers, both of which are absolute bog-standard football teams. Like, I wholeheartedly believe if we threw Brentford in up there, they'd win it by a country mile, right? A country mile. And and they're in, you know, they're in the bottom half of the league this stage in the Premier League. So, like, this talk of Rangers and Celtic, you know, um, coming down south to win a league title. Unless there was fucking 19 plane crashes, lads, you wouldn't win a fucking league title if they handed you one, right? So, get that get that off your chest, first of all, because that's never happening. But I think Stevie had to take that job. Um, I think, you know, like any like any manager, when you're up there, you know, it's it's a big it's a big draw being up there. But I think being up there also hampers you slightly because people always say, you know what, me or you could win that league title. You see, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't up in Scotland. If you don't win a league at Celtic, there's something wrong with you. If you do win the league at Celtic, you are supposed to win it anyway. And the same with Rangers. Yeah. So I think I think that you've got that going on. I think Villa have a really really good squad, and um, I think Dean Smith, personally speaking, I think he probably went a little bit too soon. But the issue was, or the issue was, I see it was, he didn't know what he was doing towards the end. We started to see some strange tactical decisions and some strange starting 11s and. He was kind of chopping and changing and mixing and he went to a back five and then he went back to four and then he was going with a winger and then he was taking out winger and then he was trying to come at it and he just thought, oh God, he's doing an awful lot here. Like, oh, yeah, you're, 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 ten, you're 10 games in and the boat looks a bit rudderless. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think if he did, if Smith had a, like the last five games, there was an awful lot of tactical and, 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 uh, not and not often gonna tactical changes and, and personnel changes villa. You know, we've seen a lot of these young boys, Jacob Ramsey and stuff like this, the, the other Ramsey uh, brother as well as two of them and Chuck Waze and other lads like this come in. Mm. And I know they've come in, some of them because there's been injuries and stuff like that, but I think some of them came in because he didn't know who else to put in there and how else to change it up, you know? Yeah, it was kind of yeah, like paralysis from analysis, really, wasn't it? And he, he was kind of like he was so yeah. I think he was getting so much information being fed to him and stuff like yeah. that and he didn't know how to deal with it and he, he was trying to act with this portion of it then this side had fall down he was trying to fix this then the middle had fall down he was trying to fix that then he couldn't figure out what was going on at the back they were leaking yeah. goals and he was trying to fix that and all of a sudden it was like that tsunami tidal wave came at him and just drowned him out of fixing anything because he was fixed trying to fix so much it just and didn't the, settle into any pattern of play at all and the other thing which I feel let him down badly because I don't I don't believe that the I don't believe that the recruitment was bad recruitment 
but I think he's been a little bit impatient with it. You know, you look at the amount of players that come into that league mm. and hit the ground running and look like an absolute baller from the off, yeah? And mm. um, there's very few of them. So yeah. I think maybe he could have slow played some of the new players a bit more mm. um, rather than trying to get it. Like, start of the season, he, he was, you know, when Dia was in every game, every game, every game. Now, when Dia's a good footballer, I like the kid a lot. Yeah. And he was obviously player of the year in the championship last year with Norwich, came for a big fee. Yeah. Um, he didn't need to play every minute of every game to begin with. Do you know what I mean? Um, there was other guys available. He's only recently started playing the boy at Al Ghazi again, who was one of the mainstays in the team last season. Yeah. Right. Um, then he's obviously got Bailey who came in, he was injured, then he was fit, then he was injured, then he was fit again. And again, anytime he was fit, he was in, he was in, he was in. And you're just thinking, he, the first game of the season, he started actually young. Like, he probably had two of the best fullbacks in the league last season. And the first day of the season, he goes in with Ashley Young and they get thumped. And you're like, what was that about? Yeah. Well, like, whatever about bringing Young in, he's fine. Like, Young was always going to do a certain job for them. And yeah. again, he had limitations, though. He yeah. would come on the last 15, 20 minutes of the game. He'd give, he'd have good delivery. You know, he's he's up and down, he's up and down. Bring a, bring a bit of energy, yeah. Right, but but he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna start, you know. He wasn't gonna be your mainstay in ninety games. minutes. He wasn't gonna be your left back yeah. Not a chance. Yeah. Yeah, especially in a especially in a flat four, which is what he started the season in. Because don't forget, Young started as a as a wing back in the inter team. Mm. You know, so it was a completely different position. Yeah. Um, and the onus wasn't necessarily on him defensively as it was offensively. Yeah. Um I suppose, so I think that, I suppose, what about the quality of the signings? I mean, the quality of the signings that came in, did it downplay the loss of the quality of the likes of Jack Grealish? No, it, I don't. Because like, he, he, he kind of left the club, didn't he? And he drifted off and went to City. Yeah, he and, did. And it, it, didn't, it didn't seem to be a big deal that he had gone because they'd signed one day, they'd signed Ings, they'd signed Leon Bailey, they'd signed these players. So, so at the start of the season, not dissimilar to ourselves, Villa fans would have been quite buoyant about the season ahead. We yeah. would have been teaming probably Villa for a top seven, top six place at least, challenging mm-hmm. for a European spot. Yeah, and then. Um, it kind of just fell flat on its face, didn't it? Like in, in terms of, as you said, some of the decision-making, the Ashley Young and all that kind of stuff. It was just weird. It very, was, un, very unlike Dean Smith. Yeah. But again, I think that's where the pressure's come a little bit. You know, maybe Grealish has gone out the door and maybe there's an expectancy from the club and they're saying, we're losing our biggest player here. We're losing our captain. We're losing our blue-eyed boy. Can you do this without him? And Smith did. I can do it, but I need the money here to invest to make this squad a bit stronger, a bit tougher, a bit faster, a bit more powerful, have a few more goals in it, right? And then they backed him and they said, all right, here's the money. And now he's been backed and now he's, again, you've got to step up and go, well, you gave me what I asked for. I'm going to show you what I can do. That in itself is pressure. You know, because you, you that's when it, it's, you know, it's going to become a dick measuring competition and you've yeah. got to go, you know what? More than six inches bigger than your pal. Boom. And and if you don't have that, you're going to yeah. struggle. And I feel like, I feel like Smith maybe didn't back himself yeah. enough. He second guessed himself an awful lot um, with the selections and with the formations and with the tactics. And ultimately, if he goes in with what he went in with last season, 
and maybe changes personnel a little more or maybe has a little more to come off the bench at certain times or to give a guy a game, a game or a rest in another game or two. I think that's a better option than trying to flood the team with all these new players at the one time where you know it's not going to, you're not going to have the traction to get things moving, you know? Yeah, no, I think you're right, yeah. And I, I think as well that that problem is there is like, when the expectation, when you're, first of all, you're just staying in the Premier League and then you've solidified yourself in there and now you're buying these players, you have an owner that has some money. You know, yeah. obviously Grealish is going off the city, which will be a huge loss to any team, no doubt about it. But yeah. then when you bring in these players, then it's having the balls to step up and go, now it's time to manage because there's an expectation from the owners. The honeymoon period is over. We yeah. bought you Bailey, we bought you Buendia, we bought you Ings, we bought you these players. Here you yeah. go now, there's your players. Your time is now to go manage and our expectation is a top six. So you better get on board with that. And all of a sudden, as you said, a result doesn't go your way or a couple of results don't go your way. And all of a sudden, the jigsaws all over the place and you're chopping and changing and you're moving everything around and all of a sudden the pieces don't fit back together. You're getting a couple of ropey results. The next thing you're on a run of a bad, a five, a bad run of five games and the next thing the owners are looking going, no. I've, um, I've a 13-year-old plays FIFA quite a bit, you know? Mm. And when he goes a couple of games without a win, he starts selling players and getting players in as opposed to getting better at playing the game. And that's basically what Smith did. Mm. You know, chop, change, chop, change. Yeah. And, and there was no... He didn't find a solution. He just created more problems. Yeah. Well, it, ca- it causes a problem, then within your players' confidence, doesn't it? If you're getting chopped Absolutely. and changed all the time as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the boy this year, Ollie Watkins, who was outstanding last year, um, this year he just looks like a, a pale shadow of himself, really, when you think about it. He does, it. he does. But don't forget, he started off the season injured, you know? Mm. He was he was, he was late coming back from the injury and stuff like that. Yeah. And he's looking at this left-hand side or this number 10 position he's going, where is this kid who did everything last year? Right, and maybe he's not making the same runs because maybe he feels like when they won't hit him, or he feels like Bailey won't hit him, mm. or he feels like whoever's playing there this week won't hit him, and all of a sudden he's a little bit of a step behind and he looks like he's off yeah. the pace. That can be fixed quite quickly, yeah. you know. It can. And mm. um, yeah. I listen. I think Villa are good for top ten still. I think the squad is is a good good squad. I think there's good balance to the squad. I think Gerard and Bale and McAllister are going to come in there. And I think this is a really good move for Stevie, if I'm honest. Um, because I think for a lot of Liverpool fans, they would have that similar question to United fans. You know, he didn't prove at the Premier League. And if 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 the ultimate goal for Stevie is to go in there at, in Anfield at some, day, some stage, Liverpool fans want to see him in the Premier League and want to see what he can do. The only up north is all fine and dandy, but don't forget, you're going to be labelled at the end of the day. Whether If you win it, you were supposed to. And if you lost it, what did you do wrong? You know, yeah. so you're onto a no-win situation there. I think he's come to Villa. He sees the squad. He knows Christian Pierslow from from his days at Liverpool. It seems like they're still quite close, I believe. Um, and and he played a massive part in making this happen. Yeah. Um, he knows he'd be back in the in the transfer market. Um, and 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 basically, if he puts Villa, if he can keep Villa in the top what seven, he's he's sorted. And yeah. if he goes on and, and, and has a cup run or turns over a couple of, you know, don't tell me Liverpool fans won't absolutely eat it up if he turns United over once or twice a season. And the same with Chelsea or CER. And that'll just be enough to keep that that candle lift for, for Stevie yeah. to take the Liverpool job, you know? 
Yeah, my, my, my interesting feeling will be December the 11th when we play Aston Villa at Anfield and he's in the away dugout. That's going to be um, a kind of a weird feeling, you know, and that would be that would be the opportunity to have a proper look at him. And like this is really this is really his opportunity to to show is he the man to step into Klopp's seat when Klopp goes. Um, yeah, and, and that's where and that's but, but I like the fact that he backed himself. Yeah, he, that he didn't, and this is my problem with Oli. He yeah. didn't say I'm gonna sit in the comfort zone, I'll win another league title with Rangers, I'll possibly try and get out of the group stage of the Champions League. And if I don't, you know, will say it because we're not expected that anyway. Mm. And he goes, Do you know what? I have all this here, but I'll go to Villa, I'll, 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 I'll try and turn things around, I'll try and create something. And he's backing himself. Yeah. And he's and cheap. you want to see a guy who's backing himself do well. Yeah, yeah he's traded the known for the unknown. Yeah. And uh and 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 there's no doubt about it. I mean, we know him how wonderful he was as a player and stuff like that, whether you're a Liverpool fan or not. He's ambitious as hell, and he also commands a level of respect where he will expect a level of effort and work rate from players that's yeah. second to none. Because if it's anything like himself, I mean Every match he was hundred and ten percent without a shadow of a doubt, regardless. And I mean the amount of the amount of poor Liverpool sides that he carried at times on his own back. So his there'll be no lack of ambition or expectation there from Stevie without a shadow of a doubt. And I think you're right, it could be an opportunity for Villa to push on. And I think it's a brave decision by the club that have mm-hmm. to be commanded commended for it. And I yeah. think it's a brave decision by him as well, facing into the unknown versus the known. Um, the known opportunity there of success. I mean, looking at the league at the moment in Scotland, you could see Rangers running out league champions again, no problem at all. Um, and he's walked away from that and a certain kind of legacy on his CV that he would have built. Um, and you can see the reaction up at Glasgow already. I mean, they're ripping down his banners and his posters. And you know, he, and I'm going to say, you know, there's a lot of happy Celtic fans right now because all of a sudden they're in the title race. And and not necessarily off their own back, but off the bat of, you know, these are losing their figurehead here. And whoever they get in, if they don't get the ball rolling straight away and it takes them a little bit of time to get things moving, so they could have caught up or maybe even stepped ahead in this race because Postacoglu was starting to get the ball rolling at Celtic. Which which in turn will drive even more disdain for Stevie and his decision, obviously, you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, it's an interesting one that we'll have to watch. Of course, we wish him the best at Villa. Um, you know, he's a man I loved for years. He was absolutely outstanding for Liverpool. He's a Premier League icon, no doubt about it, and a legend who commands respect and stuff like that. What What do you make of the, of, of the flip of this, which is actually Daniel Fark leaving Norwich and Dean Smith going into Norwich? Yeah, um, I thought, I thought, the, the Daniel Farke thing was was tough enough to be honest with you on him. Um, obviously they just picked up that first win and he's shown the door, you know, and you're like, yeah. oh Jesus. And it was a coupon spoiler, wasn't it? Beating Brentford like that. Um yeah. definitely didn't see that coming on the beat the bookie. Um yeah, like Norwich have that have that glass ceiling, don't they? They can only go so far at the minute. Um I think Smith will do a very good job. Because I thought I think he's a good manager. I think he's done well at Brentford. He's done well at Villa. He'll go on and do well with Norwich. They'll be relegated this season. Mm. I've no I've no qualms about that. They'll absolutely be relegated this season. But he'll get them back up next season. That's um, that's that's what I was thinking. Was was this Norwich planning for life straight away in the Championship, 
I'm bringing in a, a, I won't say a top level manager, but a top level manager are operating in the championship. If you know, yeah, I think I think it's it's an early step for Norwich to say, listen, we know we're not hanging around here, but we're going to let them in now, which means he'll have a better look at the squad and he'll know then for the summer. It's an early rebuilding for Norwich, isn't it? I mean, there's a couple of boys at Norwich that could probably deal with being shown the door at this stage. Mm. Um, you, know, you, also, you also don't expect Norwich to get that manager's bump either, do you really? No, no. no. But like, I think that's, I think that Norwich squad needs a bit of work, if I'm honest with you. Um, I spoke about this. I see like Tim Krill is, I think he went to school with Jesus at this stage. Like he could yeah. deal with being lollipopped and, and Angus Cohn being brought in. Um, I think the boy Grant Hanley is staying a living. I think he's absolutely yeah. woeful. Um, I think Timo Pugge for the goals he gets is great, but again, very I think... Hit, very hit and miss. Very hit and miss. You know, he goes through these purple patches, then he goes missing for 10 games. Mm. Um, and I just think he doesn't give enough if he's not scoring. Yeah. Um, you know, they have got some nice young footballers. The Brandon Williams from United, the Billy Gilmore from Chelsea. They've got the boy um, Max Ahrens. Um, they've got um, Mateus the boy Norman. 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 They've got Kieran Dowdall. They've got um, uh, or Cartwright, or Cantwell, Todd Cantwell. So yeah. there's a lot there, you know. There's a lot there to build a squad on. Um, but I do think it needs to be rejuvenated. And I just think Norwich looked at it and went, do you know what? I don't think this is the guy to rejuvenate the squad. Let's have a look at somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just it's a, it's an interesting conundrum because sometimes I look at that Norwich project and 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 the way that they flip flop through the divisions and stuff like that, and I just think I don't know. They they Lampard was in for it as well, wasn't he? And they couldn't convince him, which was uh, which was a strange. That would have that would have been absolute career suicide for Frank Lampard to take to take that Norwich job. Yeah, but I mean, I suppose if you if you did it in a way where you were going to rejuvenate the squad, there was a kind of an acceptance that they'd probably go down. But then, if he, could he could he build it the way he did when he did it with Derby to an extent, and have a really good season in the Championship, which could build his CV a little bit. Yeah, more. but he, he got he had a really good uh, run in that Championship. But did he get promoted? No, no, he didn't. But it, you have to say, even though he didn't get promoted. He had Derby playing really, really nice football, and he did play really, really brilliant football in the championship at the time. Yeah, but and that's and that's something we've talked about before. Like the championship for me is probably as tough, if not a tougher league than the Premier mm-hmm. League at stages, because you've two games a week. You're, you might be going to two hell holes, um, and it's tough and it's dogged. I don't know if you know that kind of football that Frank Lampard plays is a bit too nice for the championship. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's cunty enough pardon the French um, I just think it needs to be a little more a little tougher and a little you know for all that Mount did when he was at Derby like that Derby squad was a good enough squad to get up they didn't get up yeah. right so that's that for me is a small stain on Lampard mm. I think if you give him the Norwich job and he and he goes down and then doesn't get Norwich up because maybe he's not backed in the, in the manner he, he should be backed you know, I think that's another stain against them. And all of a sudden, you know, other than with Chelsea fans, things are starting to stain a little bit on Frank. Um, I, I, think suppose, it was a, I think it's a great square for Frank. Yeah. 
I, I suppose the problem is where does where does he find himself going next in terms of a job? And I know that we could probably see a number of other managers going through the door potentially as well in this season. But I mean, yeah. are those jobs in theory? I mean, like he's not going to be considered for any of the bigger jobs. So like it, it's going to be if you're down along the bottom. I mean, Eddie Howe took the Newcastle job. So who else is who yeah. else is down there? I mean, Burnley are down there. He's hardly going to go in and replace Deutsch, is he? He doesn't take. I don't think he takes the Burnley job for me either. Um, so when I, does when does the job come for Frank to come back into football? Unless he's going to go to the continent or he's going to go up north. And I, I don't think taking the Rangers job is the mill for me either, is it? Um, I don't think it would be a terrible move right now. You know, I think he's got to be involved in football. Mm. You know, to to keep building that. CV and keep building that kind of profile and um, look at what it's just done for Stevie yeah so mm. so could we say if Lampard went in there at Rangers and, and got them playing a certain way and picked up that trophy and maybe got out of the Champions League group and started playing I think Rangers will be a really good fit for Lampard I have to say mm. um, because I think he could have a team that played good football and yeah. um, you know um, and 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 I think it's obviously not as tough as the vision as as the championship, you know. Um, like the championship really is a tough division. I don't it's think it gets war. enough credit. Yeah. Um, you know, I think anyone getting promoted out of that championship has done a serious job. Um, yeah, really has. I think the Rangers job will be a super job for Lampard, but failing that, like. If I look at teams in the Premier League, I probably wouldn't say there's any more than about three or four that would suit Frank. Um, I think the likes of Wolves will be a great fit for Frank. Mm. Um, I think it's a decent squad. Um, I think a certain type of football would get you to a certain level that wouldn't necessarily have to be just result, result, result. I think at Wolves, you know, as you've seen from you know, with the with the manager and stuff, they weren't necessarily picking up results earlier on the season and they very well could have pulled the trigger. Yeah. 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 But they didn't because they saw things were being done a certain way. And they saw there was a change in how they were going to do things, you know, like that. Yeah. I think it was clever for them to say, do you know what, we need to slow play this. We need to give this guy time. He's just come in um and, and he's trying to change the way we play. I think Wolves would be a great fit for Lampard as well, somewhere like that. Um, where else do I think I think Villa would have been a decent fit for him yeah. um, I think Villa would have been a decent fit um, but I don't think there's lots of teams in the league that would look at Frank and say he's a great bet for us right now Yeah. Um, and that's not and I don't mean that to sound disrespectful um, just I just reality. don't I think it's reality I do I really do you know I just think there's I think he's got to he's got to pad that CV out a little bit, you know. Um, I think if Brendan Rodgers left Leicester, he could be a good fit at Leicester. You know, he th- he could be a good fit at Leicester. I really do with a squad like that with guys that can play a certain brand of football. I think that would work because I think it's very similar to what how Rodgers would do things. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah. I think he would suit Leicester down to the ground, Villa, Wolves, teams like that. 
not necessarily all Midlands teams. It yeah. just so happens that they're like that. You know yeah. what I mean? But mm. but I think um, I think those those kind of teams would suit Frank. Now listen, people are obviously watching at home. They're listening to me going, "This fellow was talking about was Hula Hoop." Don't forget, let us know in the comments below. We want to hear what you think as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think with Leicester, I think if Rogers went, and I think if they got the the money in, the compensation to get him out and stuff like that. I think they'd be looking to bring in a higher profile manager, really, because I think Leicester, even though they've had a tough start to the season and stuff like that, and some sporadic results and stuff like that, there's a fabulous squad there and stuff like that. And I, I think Leicester, I think Leicester as a club, they're always looking that way, which I think is brilliant. You know what I mean? There's always an, an air of positivity to their thinking and their movements and their changes and stuff like that. I think they are, but I also think that, you know, the they are slightly capped at how far they can go, if that makes sense. And and from a managerial point of view, like if 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 Roger walked in the morning, yeah, yeah. Who who do they legitimately look at? Well, the one thing I would say about Leicester is they're a very attractive proposition in terms of they have fabulous owners, yeah, um, with great investment. They yeah. have they have a terrific squad, yeah, with a great mentality and a great work rate and workmanship and stuff like that. And I know again, people will come back and go, yeah, but look at the results this season and and look at the fact that they fell yeah, out of the top for, four. For, forgetting the results, I'm I'm just wondering, who do we think they could possibly uh, attract? If I, 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 thinking out loud, I'm thinking someone to bring them on to the next level. I'm thinking like a new Emery. And I think that could look like a very respectable job for him in terms of going in there, plenty of investment, a really, really good squad, other players to come in. And I think he could he could go in there and he could potentially turn Leicester into a, into a potentially top four fighting team, if you like, in and around it and stuff like that, that fourth spot. That's a good think, joke. And I think if he got them into the Champions League or the Europa League, I think he could bring success in there in terms of European football to a certain level and stuff like that. That's a good joke. I, I think he'd I'll be super fit for Leicester. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd kind of say he's at a similar level in Spain, wouldn't you? Yeah. Just just, just below the, the kind of upper echelons. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of the underdog in the fight all the time. But Yeah. But nowhere, you know, no, nowhere near. I don't think Villarreal have the same potential that Leicester have, if you like, in terms of no, well, their league and their exposure. No, I know they won the been, Europa. They've stuff. generally been a selling club, haven't they, Villarreal? And yeah. They don't have the level of um, investment that Leicester do. Mm. So that could be a real proposition. And I, I think even, and, and no disrespect to Brandon Rogers, I, I think Uno Emery, and I think most people agree, he got shafted at Arsenal, there's no doubt about it. Um, they were never going to accept him after Wenger and that was it. And they had made up their minds basically from day one. And I, I just think if he went in there, you know, I think he would be that slight step up or, or close to, if you like, Brendan Rodgers and stuff like that. I think if Frank went in there, and no disrespect to Frank, I don't think Frank is at Brendan Rodgers level or anything like it. And I don't know whether that potential would be there for Frank either. Um, whereas I think Unai Emery, I, 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 if I was a Leicester fan and I we're losing Rodgers and we could get Unai Emery, I'd be very excited about that proposition. I think it's a great shout. The only thing I will say is, do we think he takes it considering he turned down the Newcastle job? Um, 
and and I completely understand it's a, it's a very very different set of circumstances, but I still think there's something maybe holding him back a little bit. Did he did he have a taste of England and go, you're all right, thanks. Sarah to it. Maybe because they got their claws into him a little bit. Yeah, and he might just say, you know what. I don't need that shit in my life because I can tip along over here with Sevilla, with Villarreal. Where's he going next? Sociedad, somewhere like that, at that mm. level. You know, well, he, I, I, he'll, he'll, he'll absolutely get the Spanish job one day, 100%. Yeah. I, I, just think, I just think sometimes when you look back on your CV and you look at kind of how do you fix unfinished business? Um, and I'm not talking about going back to Arsenal or anything like that. But no, I mean, no, no, no. But I mean, his, his, I think most people appreciate the fact that they know he's a much better manager than what we had seen um, yeah. back then. And, and I think I could see him back in the Premier League again. I think it'd be a great shout. I think he'd have something to prove. I think maybe he looked at the Newcastle job and you might be right in this and I could be wrong in terms of what we thought as much a much longer project. Um, in terms of getting to where you want to get to. Um, and I think it will even take time even to t- turn Newcastle into, you know, a squad that we see nearly at Leicester that Brendan has built up. I think it will take a bit of time, and, you know, and that's contrary to what I was saying, where I thought they'd throw the cash out the back of the plane, basically, you know, and that could still happen. Um, but I think he looked at that job and he think that that's a whole club upheaval, overhaul from top to bottom and an expectation that when money is thrown at you could be absolutely massive. You know what I mean? Like, like Eddie Howe can go in there now. They might fire money at him left, right and centre. You know, not dissimilar to what we're thinking with Dean Smith at Villa where he got in these players and stuff like that. And next thing, your expectation goes, and all yeah. of a sudden you're nowhere near that expectation or in around it and then it's, and you're gone. And I think at Newcastle, I think very quickly the expectation there could go through the roof really quickly once the investment starts kicking in. But, but you see, for Eddie Howe not being in a job, that's a no-brainer. 100%. Whereas, 100%. whereas Emery's in there at Villarreal and he's, he's going, do you know what? I don't need this right now. This is, mm. this is much bigger than I need to take on right now. And maybe yeah. I slow play this because maybe they come back to me. And maybe when they come back to me, they're in slightly better shape. Yeah. And things look maybe I can let someone do do the groundwork, and then I can slide in again in, in a year, eighteen months time maybe. Yeah. He could be there. Yeah, Emery could be there next step after him. Yeah, and maybe it's something he suggested. Get somebody in, do this, do that. You know, and um, I actually two years or whatever. Yeah, I actually looked at the. I looked at what kind of Newcastle are short of. I was looking at the squad the other day. You know. And you're kind of thinking, we've heard all these crazy names being linked with it. A couple of players in that Villarreal squad, you know. Um, like, if they if they don't try and throw 40 million at Pau Torres, right, mm. they're nuts because they need a centre-back badly. And this kid's top, top centre-back, you know. He's he's in the top three of those Spanish defenders with um, mm. Laporte and who's the third fella. He... he, he He's in and about the trade of right, every time. Yeah. So you have him in there. Mm. And then the boy, Dan Juma, who who's obviously got involved in that Dutch national squad, who ripped Aramon Masaka apart at Old Trafford a couple of weeks ago, plays high on the left-hand side, 
another really, really good player. Um, Dan Juma played under Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. Mm. Right? So, for me, this is... We're looking at we're looking at big in the game here. I'm, these are two boys straight away. I'm going to tip to make the uh, switch to make the switch to the uh, to the Magpies. I think Pau Torres and Arnold Danjuma. I think Newcastle will really try hard to get these two boys in in January, based on the fact he knows Danjuma. He's you know he started to really pull up trees in that Spanish uh, league and in the Champions League. He's got into that Dutch squad, and the belt. The boy Pau Torres is probably just underneath the absolute elite level of centre backs in world football. Mm. He's just underneath it, so so there he's probably right at the top of what they are capable of getting. Yeah, you know, probably Jared Moreno as well could be a possibly, possibly, yeah. but yeah. definitely, yeah. I think you're right when you do look at that Newcastle side. It's like you know how many how many players are you retaining in reality? You know what I mean? It's a proper overhaul job, isn't it? Very very few. Mm. You know, I mean, their strength is literally what's what's their strength? Maybe the boys on maximum up front, and maybe the two goalkeepers. The two goalkeepers. After that, then after that, the then two goalkeepers and Sat Maxima, and and listen to a degree. If you can keep him fit, Callum Wilson. You know, mm. the kid's a good footballer, and yeah. he needs he, physically he needs a bit of work, I think, mm. and because you can't keep coming up with these injuries and and you know, and thinking you're going to be a serious footballer, and. And, and, and after that, like, you know, you've, you've the boy Almiron, who's a nice footballer, but he's not going to bring it to the level. Um, you've the lad, uh, Joe Linton, who needs to be absolutely airmailed out of St. James's Park. Yeah. Um, you've the two long staffs, you've John Joe Shelby, you've uh, Isaac Hayden. Um, like, it's very, very poor. Barely bench. Really Barely bench when you make investment. Barely bench when you make investment. I don't even think they are bench. I think a lot of them are championship footballers who are in disguise as Premier League footballers. I'm honest with you, Luke. So we're, we're, we're talking about an overhaul at Newcastle that's like anywhere between six and eight starters. And then you still have to pad out your bench as well, potentially. Absolutely. Easily. Well, I mean, I think, you know, if you go to your bench, you've you've got one of the keepers. You've also got Dubravka and Darlow. So for me, personally, I'd go with Darlow. I'd play him. I think he's a better keeper. I think he's younger. I think he's the future. And I'd have the Bravka on the bench. So you have your cover. Uh, right. And then and then obviously you're, you're going to have, you know, what are you going to have? Ryan Fraser, Matt Ritchie, maybe on your bench after you pick up a couple of players uh, or Mankeo, something like that. Um, I do like the boy, Jacob Murphy. I don't think he's, I don't think he's, um, and Jamal Lewis as well. I think they're okay. They'll do as squad players and stuff like that. But the spine for me, other than maybe the goalkeeper, I think spine that centre midfield positions, centre back positions, and the and the striker positions really, really need to be looked at. Um, but yeah, I'd say you're talking eight players, bare minimum, before you see any sort of a huge change in how they play and 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 you know the quality and stuff like that. But I do expect to see. Certainly, three of them in January. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, they're gonna have to do whatever it takes to stay in the league, aren't they? I mean, the 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 thoughts yeah. of them going down to the championship is just um, yeah. it'd be unthinkable for a takeover of that size. Like, and they're looking at listen. Apparently, again, we ha- we don't we have to be careful when we're saying these things because apparently they're looking at uh, Dean Henderson, Donny Van de Beek, and Jesse Lingard. You know, um, I think. I think Henderson and Lingard are would be two great options for them. 
Yeah. I don't necessarily think they need a goalkeeper. Mm. But I think if they turn around to United in the morning and said, there's 30 to 40 million. Yeah, I, I, I think looking at their predicament at the moment, I don't think they'd even been looking at the goalkeeper situation at the moment. I think they have the two boys there and they'll let that settle for the moment. They might go and readdress it at a later date. Yeah. But I, I don't think... I don't think if you if you if they've got 150 million maybe to spend in January or whatever it is, I think yeah. they're going to be looking at the outfield positions there to strengthen the keep. They, sh- they the, should the, be, but yeah. you don't. You know, yeah. listen. I, I, I certainly didn't think that it was the position Arsenal needed to focus on either. But we see what's happened there when when you brought Ramsdale in and solidify yeah. things at the back. What's but happened as well? But they did recognise that there was issues with Leno. You know what I mean? So it's slightly, that was, slightly but I mean, in comparison right. to some of the positions, it yeah. wasn't maybe their number one priority, let's say. Yeah. But, but I do, like, listen, I think Lingard would be a great addition for them if they could get it. Um, you know, Lingard plays as a 10. You have your St. Maxima on one side, maybe Dan Juma on the other and a striker. Like, that's decent fun for. Yeah. That's yeah. that's creating chances. That's scoring goals. Mm. Um, you've got to, you've got to keep things a lot a lot tighter in that midfield and it needs to be more combative for me, you know? Yeah. Um, and Man, then... Van the, Van could be a great show, wouldn't he? I mean, he has to do anything he can now to get out of there, doesn't he? Because it's just... I don't know if he'd be the fit in Newcastle and only because if they're in a relegation dog fight, do you want a guy who thinks he's got to play football all the time? You know, I think he's better suited to a side like United who have a lot of the ball and technically, you know, he can he can do more with it. Um I don't know if he is. But he eventually has to knock on a door, doesn't he, and ask when the hell is he going to play? Absolutely. Or get the hell out of there. Now, I'm not saying Newcastle would be the front runner to sign him. Well, here's the two two things that that may happen, yeah? Here's the first thing. If he hasn't knocked on a door already, he's a quiet man, right? Mm. But he may feel, and this happened to me at a club at one stage, um, we got a new manager down. when I mention him, I don't think I'll mention him. He's an ex-Rovers and an ex-Celtic player. Yeah. And he came down to look at us. And I was number one. And he brought a keeper in with him straight away. Straight away. Didn't even look at me. Brought a keeper in. Went training. What's happening? Yeah, you're not playing the weekend. Oh, well, what? Did I do something wrong? Yeah, too heavy, he says. Right? Didn't like the look at me. Too heavy. Um, so he... He pulled me out of the squad. The other guy he brought in was fucking poison. He wouldn't have saved stamps. I think he was related to Dracula. He was afraid of crosses that much, right? So he was brutal. And our boys straight away are like, there's something going on here. Now, I had to slow play because I knew this fella wasn't going to last. Right? Yeah, so I had to bide me time. I had to bide me time. I said to the, the lad that was looking after the Saturday side, so I said, listen, can I come out and get games with you? He said, yeah. No bother. Happy days. I go down, I'm playing for the Saturday side, I'm turning in performances. Saturday side, fellas going to him saying, listen, you're already struggling the goalkeeper. This fellas, you know, playing week after week for me. He's the best player I have in the park. What do you think, your man? No, too heavy, not looking at him. Um, he left. And in the, in, the, in the next three years after he left, I won five of the six player of the year trophies. In, in the next three years, right? So I was at that level, but he just didn't like me. So yeah. Donny at United might be just going, you know what? I just have to sit here until he leaves. Yeah. And when he leaves, I'll get me rolled at his ice. And that's, you yeah. know, because he may like it at United. He might like the setup. He might like where he lives. He might like family life. Everything is going in a certain direction for him. 
yes, he needs to play football, but he might be happy to say, you know what, this bloke's not going to be here too much longer. So I'll sweat it out because I know when he does go, someone else will give me a look in. Yeah, wait for your opportunity, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good show. Well, listen. Yeah, and it was Declan Roach was our manager, by the way, ex-Celtic player. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Decky. You're, you're a great pal. <laughs> well, listen, as thanks. always, pleasure having you on. I hope you enjoyed it. Unbelievable, Jeff, really, isn't it? <laughs> we Unbelievable, Jeff. On. And what about, what, about poor, what about poor Jeff stepping down at the end of the season? Sad times, isn't it? Sad times, Sad times man. We are losing. We are losing a lot of what we grew up on and loved, aren't we? We're getting to that stage, aren't we? Yeah, certainly. I am, anyway. No, 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 no. Absolutely, it's yeah. It's getting to that stage where you know you turn on Sky Sports or you read a paper and somebody else from your childhood is disappearing. You're going, Jesus, another one. Yeah, yeah. I look. I look at. I look at soccer, soccer Saturday, and I miss McClintock and I miss Rodney Marsh and. I miss these guys, you know what I mean? I just miss them, you know what I mean? They're just the banter on the phone used to be crazy, you know? But it's all right, we have those, it's all right though, we have those two boards doing it now. It's great. Because <laughs> they're really super and they know everything about football. Yeah. Well, until next time, this has been the upper tier. Unbelievable, Jeff. An episode that we drop instead of our Monday matchup because we had no Premier League fixtures. Look out during the week. We'll be doing our Premier League preview and we'll be back with our beat the boogie because Premier League football is back, baby, this week. Thank God. Even though we had a good innings on international football. Yes. Until next time, Dynamo Podcast Network on YouTube. Audio versions of the show on Spotify. Let us know your comments down below. Are we mad? Are we crazy? Are we just a pair of plebs? <laughs> is Roy Kane a cabbage? <laughs> Does anyone know Declan Roach and has he fucked over your career as well? Let us know in the comments below. A pleasure as always, my friend. Thanks, brother. <laughs>